Happy Sunday afternoon to all my peeps out there. Love you guys. It is a wonderful day. It is beautiful out here. Today I actually got to see some members of my family that I have not even seen before. And it's always good. Now normally in a normal situation we probably be out having uh, dinner with the family or whatever the case. But of course we all know the reason why and I'm not going to go into all the details of that. Now, what you're hearing now is the conclusion of, of, of the first part of this uh, post. If you haven't heard the first part, uh, go back and hear the first part. and It'll help you a little bit when it comes to this part. All right. Now, let me give you a little rundown of what I did so far, what I've said so far. What I've talked about is of the situation that we're dealing with around the world known as the coronavirus. And how someone put themselves in a position and claimed that the epidemic or pandemic that we know as COVID-19 is a done deal. It is done. It is over. It is finished. And that the United States is well and healed again. Now, I proved through statistics through actual statistics that you can check that obviously that COVID-19 is alive and well, that people are dying from COVID-19, and that there is no end in sight. Well, at least not yet, anyway. Well, like I said, there was so much that I felt like I wanted to say and needed to say that I wasn't going to be able to do it all in one part anyway. So, this is the second part, this is the conclusion... It's going to be real easy, ladies and gentlemen. Now, it doesn't take a rocket science to figure out that there's millions and millions and millions upon multiplied millions of opinions as to why our world as we know it has been turned upside down, right side up in less than a month's time. Keep in mind, a month ago, everything was doing fine. We were going to work. We were going to the mall. We were going to the park. We were playing. Kids were going to school. People were going to college. Everything was everything. People were flying all over the world on airplanes, on riding on trains, riding on boats. Everything was moving. What a difference a month has made. The whole world as we know it is closed. Most cities, especially in the United States, have put their entire cities, some of them whole counties, on lockdown with threat of going to jail if you violate that law, which makes it hard for people to go to school, go to church. You know, churches were closed today for the most part, except for those online. Um, two places in the world that seemingly never shut down, Las Vegas, Nevada, and New York City. They're ghost towns now. You can walk down Times Square, you hardly find anybody in Times Square. You go down to the Strip in Las Vegas, you usually see hundreds of thousands of people walking the streets, going to the casinos, going to restaurants, going to buffets. The buffets are closed, the casinos are closed, the hotels are shut down. All that within a matter of a month. And all of it because of one thing, and that's COVID-19. You know, planes have been grounded for the most part. I think we can fly in domestically in the, in the States, but you can't go overseas. A lot of countries have shut their doors to people from the outside. I know in my home state, 
anyone that comes in the state will be put under a 14-day quarantine mandatory by state law, which to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. The world as we know it has completely changed in less than a month. The stock market been up and down. Businesses have had to close. Employees are no longer at work. Our unemployment is sky freaking high. And all this in a month's time. Now, like I said, everybody's got their own personal opinion as to why the world is suffering with this coronavirus. Why did it come? Who's responsible for it? You know, and when is it going to be over with? When are we going to go back to normal? Well, what we call is normal. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, everybody got their own opinion on this. And I'm going to inject my little half a cent piece of, of, of interjection into this. And I know a whole lot of people are probably asking the exact same question. They're not saying it directly, but I know exactly what they're saying. Where is God in all this? If God is so good, if God is so wonderful, if God is so loving like we most people say and then songs proclaim him to be and sermons proclaim him to be, then why didn't he stop this coronavirus from happening? Why did he disrupt my, our world, my world, as we know it? And turn it completely upside down, right side up. Well, you know, it's like they say, this is just my opinion and my opinion only. This is not a gospel. Don't take it as gospel. You take it with the grain of salt that it's worth. You know what I'm saying? You know, you decipher what's good and decipher what's bad. I mean, you want to critique it, you can do. be my guest. I have no problem with you doing so. But I can answer a couple of questions. I can't answer all of them, but I can answer a couple of questions. One question that pretty much everybody's asking, especially Christians, is this question. Did God bring the coronavirus to the world? No. God didn't bring the coronavirus. But I believe that God allowed the coronavirus to hit us. I believe that he gave permission. For this coronavirus to do what it does on a run of a day basis. And I can prove it with scripture. I can prove it with the Bible. Because here's the thing. God always says. And I can prove this. Again, I can prove it with scripture. I'm going to go get my Bible real quick. And I can show you what it says. It's not that hard. Give me a second. So beautiful. All right. Now, for those of y'all who think that God is too good not to do something to us when we screw up, follow me, if you will, to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to the 28th chapter. And I'm going to find it for you. Now, I'm going to read the verse I'm going to read. Is verses 60 and 61. But I'm going to start from verse 58. This is Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'm going to start at verse 58, but I'm going to emphasize 60 and 61. 
says this, if you are not careful to obey all the words of this law, which are written in this scroll by fearing this glorious and awesome name, Yahweh, your God, he will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, severe and lasting plagues and terrible and chronic illness. He will afflict you again with all the diseases of Egypt, which you dreaded, and they will cling to you. The Lord will also afflict you with every sickness and plague not recorded in this book of the law, of this law until you are destroyed. Now I'm reading this out of the Holman Christian Standard Edition. Okay. Now, if you read other versions like the King James or the NIV, or if you read more modern translations like the Message or the Good News Bible, or even the Amplified Bible, it will tell you that the Lord will allow these things. He won't do it himself, but he will allow it to take place. Now, I'm going to prove that with scripture if you'll go to the book of Job, the first chapter. Now, I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I'm going to read from verses. This is the verse chapter from 6 to 12. It says this. One day the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, where have you come from? From roaming the earth through the earth, Satan answered, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Satan answered the Lord, Does God, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you placed a hedge around him, his household, and everything he owns? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he owns, and he will surely curse you to your face. Very well, the Lord told Satan, Everything he owns is in your power. However, you must not lay a hand on Job himself. So Satan left the Lord's presence. I don't believe that God brought the coronavirus to us, but I do believe that he allowed the coronavirus to come to us for a, a lot of reasons. Now, again, those of you who are spiritually minded will probably understand what I'm coming from. You see, I believe that God's not the author of sickness and disease and confusion and things like this. But I do believe that God will allow things to come to see where we really are. You know, all of life is a test, ladies and gentlemen, and, and the coronavirus is just another one of these grand tests. And to see just where your faith is at. You know what I'm saying? Where your trust is, where your hope is, where your love is at. Because everything that we know and love today has been completely affected by this coronavirus. You can't go to school. You can't. Some places you can't even go to work. A lot of workers are out of work right now because they're not considered essential or because of the social distancing rules. You know? But I think... Personally, me, that, you know, one thing I can say that, you know, God has his hand on this country and grant and all, all the countries, actually. And there are a lot of things that we deserve to get that we didn't get. And it's only because of the grace and the mercy and love of God. 
And if God ever took his hand off of us and just allowed Satan to run run amok, he would kill you. I'm gonna tell you straight up. If you if, if the if the Lord gave Satan free will over your life, he's going to destroy it. No ifs, ands, buts, or maybes. Which brings me to my second point. Is God trying to speak to us through the coronavirus? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I don't know how many of y'all remember the movie The Color Purple. Now, I've only watched it a couple times because for me, it's a hard movie to watch. You know, I can watch some parts of it, but there's certain parts I can't watch of it. You know, especially when Mr. abuses Seely, and he abuses Seely pretty much throughout the film. Physically, sexually, and otherwise. But there was one scene in this movie that I will never forget, and it's the scene where Sugar Avery was singing in the club, and she sings in the club a couple of times, a few times, actually. But there's one scene in particular that happened to be on a Sunday morning in church. Sugar Avery was at the, they were all at the club, and they she was singing, and then after they flipped to the church where people were in the church, and they were singing a song. And the song was basically, God's trying to tell you something. Well, to make a long story short, I'm not going to try to spoil it in case you have not seen the film, for the few of you that have not seen it, but I will say this. Sugar Avery basically came back home where she belonged. And I believe that's what God's trying to speak to us through this coronavirus. Especially to those who believe, especially to the believers. I really believe that this is for, to those who are of faith more than... I'm not saying that God's not speaking to unbelievers either. But I believe he's speaking to the church more than he's speaking to them. Because, to be honest with you, I don't think we've been to church like we're supposed to be. And this particular, this particular situation has brought out a lot of things in the woodworks like I played for you in the first part. But do I believe that God's speaking to us through the coronavirus? Oh yes. And he's speaking loud and clear. And hopefully we're listening. Because there are a lot of things in this world that God is not pleased with that in many cases the church allow either through compromise or refusal to act that are in the world today. Now I'm not going to go into all the details of it because it's not necessary. But this is what I am going to say. In Matthew chapter 5, God calls the church salt and light. And sad to say, we've been anything but salt and light. Because if we had been salt and light like we're supposed to be, a lot of things that are going on in the world, a lot of things that the world considers uh, 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 important, wouldn't be important anymore. I'll give you one, I'll give you one example of it. And just one. And I want to do this as carefully as I can not to step on a whole lot of toes. But I'll give you one. And it's abortion. Now we've come a long way from Roe versus Wade in 1973. But according to statistics, since Roe versus Wade became law in 1973, and that was 47 years, almost 47 years ago, the United States has aborted some 50 million children in 47 years which is more than the population of the state of California 
over a course of 47 years, we have aborted that many children. That's a lot of blood you have to answer for. If you read the book of Genesis, the fourth chapter, we read the story of Cain and Abel. And when, of course, I'm not going to go into all the details of that. I'll let you read it for yourself. But the Bible says that when Cain, when God confronted Cain about his brother Abel, he was like, well, am I my brother's keeper? And he said it just like this. He said, listen, your brother's blood cries to me from the ground. Think about it. 50 million babies aborted in our country over the last four, all in the name of choice. And that's a lot of blood that we had to answer for. That's a lot of blood. And God's been requiring that blood of us ever since. The disasters that have come in our world, the financial disasters that have come in our world, the physical disasters that have come into our world, all of that, a part of that. And the sad part is the church did absolutely nothing to stop abortion from being law in this country. The church did nothing. Because if the church had done their part, it wouldn't even have been a situation. But I believe that this coronavirus is, is God speaking to us to let us know we need to go back to what's important. We need to go back to what's what is real. Because we put too many things in front of God. You know what I'm saying? A lot of things. But I'm not going to go into all the details, but I will say this. God, you can use anything he wants to do to speak to his wayward people. If you look at the story of Balaam, I'll give you one example only. The story of Balaam is a perfect example of this. Um, Israel was on its way to the promised land. They were at the border of Moab. And the people in Moab were afraid of these Israelites. They knew what they had done to other kings. And the king and Balak, who was the king of Moab, was like, hey, we got a problem here. These people come to take us over. So he called Balaam, who was a prophet for hire, pretty much, and said, look, I'll give you this much money if you can put a curse on these people and drive them away from me. Well, Balaam went on here because he saw the money. He saw the prices right. So he's on his way. And uh, the Lord tried to warn him and say, hey, don't curse these people. These are blessed people. So he tried again. They went on ahead. He's on his way down there to Moab to tell him. And God was speaking to him. He spoke through his donkey. Because the donkey saw an angel on the road. Not one time, but three different times. And the donkey heeded to the voice of the angel. And Balaam was upset. He beat the donkey all three times. And the donkey finally spoke up to say, Hey, why are you beating me like this? And, and Balaam was frustrated and then he find, then his eyes were open he finally saw why the donkey he told him look the reason why he did she did that because your path is reckless before me now had you to kept on going I would have killed you but would have spared this donkey so the angel finally the Lord tell, tells him through the angel look you want to go down there to Balaam Balak go but only tell him what I say 
So God can use whatever he wants to use to accomplish whatever he wants to accomplish. And his goal is the same, no matter through whatever disaster. His, his goal is to get his people to act right. His goal is to get his people to repent and turn to him. And I believe that's what the purpose of this coronavirus is. I will say one thing before I close, and it's this. And for all those people who think that the coronavirus is the mark of the beast and this, that, the other, let me say this to y'all. And I've seen the way some of y'all be acting. If y'all act like this now, just imagine when the real deal comes. Just imagine when it gets worse. Because the Bible tells us it's going to get worse. This is just the beginning of things to come. And if you act like this now, just imagine what it's going to be like when it gets even worse than this. When the pestilence become worse. When the disasters become worse. When the financial disaster becomes worse. In Peter, in the book, in the epistle of Peter, he tells him that judgment must first begin in the house of God. And I believe that Jesus is speaking through this coronavirus to the church to wake up the church and help us to realize, hey, we don't have a whole lot of time to be taking time for granted. Life is way too short to be playing games. We need to be, we need to be on our job. Because here's the, here's the point. It don't matter what governments try to come up with. It don't matter what Congress tries to come up with. This, this COVID-19 situation is not going to be over until God says it's done. It don't matter what Kenneth Copeland or anybody else says. It's not going to end until God says it's over. So what are we supposed to do in the meantime? Well, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says it just like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. As I said in the first in the first part, I'm not here to call anybody a false prophet. I'm not here to criticize anybody. I'm here really just to wake people up to the reality of what's going on. COVID-19 is God speaking to us to get us to wake up and to understand what's going on in the world. And that for those of us who do are believers, we need to realize that there are people out there that don't even know him and need to know what's going on. And we can be that salt and that light again. On this day, when Jesus Christ defeated death, hell, and the grave by rising from the grave, I believe that God will 86 this coronavirus. He will. But he's going to do it his way and his time. But what his people need to do, we need to do as a people, humble ourselves, pray, seek the face of God, turn from our wicked ways. Then he said he will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, our sin and heal our land. And I believe God wants to heal the United States of America. He wants to heal China. He wants to heal Europe. He wants to heal Africa. He wants to heal the Middle East. But God's people got to get on the on their job. We got to do what we're supposed to do. And I pray that today that we take it to heart and not be offended and not be upset and not be angry at God, but take this to heart and realize, hey, maybe we we come up short in this thing and we need to get it fixed. And I just pray that today that God's people will use this day to come together, to humble ourselves, to pray for God's guidance and help in this situation. And I believe as we do, that God will come up with a, will, will make a way 
where this coronavirus will truly be non-existent and that we will be back to normal again but anyway that's my little two cents on it um follow me on instagram at rugrat 71 on twitter who is rugrat and i'm working on my uh pope my blog site at who is you can check out my uh post on youtube if you haven't subscribed on there please do so because there's some good stuff on there but anyway that's my two cents worth y'all have a great sunday y'all stay safe take care of yourselves and each other big male who is rugrat i'm about to blaze peace